What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Carnes, joined by not Daniel this week, Daniel on vacation. So we got our good friend David Cobb from CBS Sports to fill in this week. David, how's it going, man? Going well. I know that was hard for you on the intro because every time you're like joined, as always, by my co-host. Yep. Actually, you kind of had to uh, uh, eliminate some muscle memory there. It's routine. Someone asked me one time, like, what what the uh, intro and closing is, and I'm like, I wait, I don't know what I say. Let me, let me go through it for a second because it's just it's muscle memory. So glad I didn't say Daniel uh, and and got it right this time. But dude, thanks so much for being on. This is like I think your fifth time back on the podcast. So we met, gosh, two years ago now. So we met in 2020, right? Or was it 2021? was 21 so yeah okay it's a little over a year okay uh but david good to have you back david is uh one of the college football and college basketball writers for cbssports.com you can follow him at david a Cobb on twitter so david we have a special game for you to talk about which we'll get to in just a few minutes because we had to have our college football slash basketball expert uh for a huge game this week in college football but David, before we get to our slate of seven games, what's a game that we're not talking about, we're not picking, that you're excited to watch this weekend? I think Kansas State-Oklahoma could get sneaky interesting. Maybe people are sleeping on the Wildcats after they laid an egg against Tulane, but still a team that generated a lot of preseason hype as a sleeper in the Big 12. And then you got to think Oklahoma might be feeling itself a little bit coming off that you know, just absolute demolition of Nebraska and Lincoln. So... That, that could be an interesting spot because I think K-State historically in the last several years has played Oklahoma reasonably well. And I don't think they're down for the count just because they, they had a, a bad week three. So you got to think, I mean, that was a non-conference loss. Um, you know, there's got to be two teams in the Big 12 championship at the end of the year. Now, Baylor hasn't exactly blown my socks off yet this year. So who's going to be that second team if we're assuming that one is going to be Oklahoma? You know, even if K-State doesn't win this one, a, a decent showing could could be a good indication that that they're not done yet. Kansas State has beaten Oklahoma two out of their last three meetings, but I'm very glad I did not drink that Kool-Aid preseason, but I did drink that Texas Kool-Aid. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see Texas in the Big 12 championship, but I will stay in the Big 12. Iowa State, Baylor. Iowa State a three-point favorite at home. So one of these, it's funny, early season, the AP rankings versus the, you know, what Vegas has power rated Iowa state, the unranked team three point favorite. I'm staying far away because I was dead wrong. My only loss last week on the podcast was I said it was my WTF game of the week, wrong team favored wise Michigan state, you know, a dog on the road and they just got boat raced out of Seattle. So Iowa state, maybe they're just going to boat race Baylor on Saturday. We'll see, but want to watch that one. Yeah, last year everybody was all aboard the the cyclone train. There, it was going to be their breakthrough season. Didn't work out. Now, now's the time to get them. That was my philosophy with North Carolina, picking them to to hit their over on their win, you know, preseason win total. Looking pretty good so far. You know, it's like when the hype follows a team, they generally tend to underperform. And now, people are just thinking that Iowa State's going to recede back to six and six. I mean, they they've got a chance here to to get in that Big Twelve mix. We are three. Is was North Carolina seven and a half? Was it the total? Yeah, because it was no certainty that they would win either of their, their opening games, you know, against Appalachian State. And then they were at Georgia State, which is a tricky spot. So now that the Sun Belt has, has looked like a juggernaut, the fact that they won those games, it's it actually stands out as being fairly impressive. That's an underrated, underrated game, too, this week. Notre Dame 
at Lions like at one point right now. So that'll be one I'm watching as well. Uh, Dave, let's get to our slate. So seven games we're going to talk about. Oregon State, USC, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Washington State, Oregon, Texas Tech, Texas, Tennessee, Florida, Wake Forest, Clemson. But we are starting with it's the college basketball blue blood, blue blood college football game of the week. We have undefeated Kansas, undefeated Duke in Kansas, Kansas, a nine point favorite. I mean, David, he said y'all y'all got some stuff coming on CBS Sports this week. The basketball schools are killing it in college football so far this year. They really are. It's it's insane. I don't think anybody expected Duke to be look even remotely competent in year one under Mike Elko, considering the absolute dearth of talent that appears when you uh, grab that preseason magazine and, and look at their roster. But man, they they've been pretty decent so far. And granted, they really haven't played anyone. Uh, considering that Northwestern has turned out to be a, a total dud and a total flop. But w- what a scene. What a scene in Lawrence, Kansas, the Duke Blue Devils. The fact that that's actually a matchup of undefeated teams uh, blows my mind. Uh, I still think that if they played that game in a in a uh, basketball arena with uh, or like in a dome or something in an in a NCAA tournament game, like the basketball game would still generate higher attendance than this football game is this week. Probably. But, uh, it'll, still, it'll still be fun. Some of my Tennessee friends were mad that a lot of people were online suggesting that game day should have gone to should have gone to Lawrence. They were like, "Whoa, that's so dumb!" You know, Tennessee Florida is going to be a top twenty matchup, and I'm like, "Guys, it would be funny. It would be cool to see uh, the the national spotlight on a Duke Kansas football game like that." So I, I am looking forward to this one, dude. For the same reason that it was cool to see App State Troy get some national spotlight, like throw throw them a bone. Yeah. So I I will out myself. I was pulling up our preseason picks. Uh, for the ACC, two and ten was Jacob's prediction. So they're three and zero already. Totally reasonable prediction. So I'm actually going with the Jayhawks though here in this one. Like I said, I just don't think that you know. Well, I'll say this. Uh, I just don't think that the Northwestern win has really held up as well as maybe Duke would have liked for it to, because they beat Northwestern after Northwestern. Uh, beats nebraska so you're like oh wow like duke is is legit but then northwestern turns around and becomes the first power five team this season to lose to a group of five school and not even really a good group of uh, excuse me an fcs school and not even really a good fcs school in uh southern illinois last week so i'm a little down on on uh northwestern i think that delegitimizes the duke you know, their banner victory so far. But you look at Kansas, they've scored 103 points the last two weeks against quality opponents. You know, and granted, they were helped with a defensive touchdown there in the in the overtime win uh, against Houston. But still, I mean, you know, Daniels is legit, and they've got two running backs averaging over six yards of carry. So I think Kansas can, can really outscore Duke in this matchup. I think Kansas wins. I think it's too many points. I like the nine. I would love it to be at 10, but – I'm going to take Duke. I'm going to take the points. So, I mean, number one, in, in a game of Duke and Kansas being undefeated, I feel like it's just principle to just take some points here, especially over a touchdown. But Kansas is past de- defense overall, but pass defense specifically is what is scaring me off of laying the points with Kansas here. Uh, Duke's success rate with the pass actually ranks top 30 in the country. And Kansas's pass success rate on defense allowed is 112th in the country so far. So I know Kansas has faced better competition here, but the defense has been suspect so far, despite them winning e- even, I mean, they're beating good teams. They blew, you know, I said they blew out West Virginia. It was overtime. Looked the score looked worse than it was. Uh, but I like 
I like Duke to cover. I like Kansas to win. So I'll take some points. Kansas had to go against your guy, JT Daniels. He, he can sling it. He can sling it, man. I just, I got, I'm going to trust the numbers on this one because I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of Kansas or Duke games this season, but this, this game deserves some spotlight on the extra point, even if game day is not going to throw him a bone. So uh, we'll, we'll have it be the flagship pick on this podcast. So you one pick in and we're already uh, disagreeing. So, uh, hey, I went six and one last week. That's your loss, man. That's yeah, as I said, you didn't tell me that you were like on an absolute heater. But when you asked me to come on here, if I had known that you were just like hitting at a 70% rate here, I might have, I might have reconsidered. Look, 15 and six on the season. We got to keep it going. So let's keep it going. In Winston-Salem, Winston-Salem, goodness. Uh, Wake Forest and Clemson. Wake Forest undefeated at this point. They get Sam Hartman back. Clemson, seven-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Haven't looked all that impressive yet. Where are you going? You going uh, Wake Forest or Clemson here? Uh, yeah, so I'm actually picking Clemson minus the seven-and-a-half. Last season, Clemson beat Wake Forest by 21 points. And in that game, Wake Forest's defense actually made Clemson's offense look good which was difficult to do last season because that was not a good offense. But uh, Clemson scored more points against Wake Forest last season than it did against any other FBS opponent on its schedule. And I don't think this Wake Forest defense has really improved a whole lot. Now, I don't believe that the Clemson offense has either, but I, I look at Sam Hartman and I see a guy who in his third game back after a very limited preseason practice regimen will be going against one of the best defenses in the country. So Wake will get there, uh, but I, I think you have to take that into account that this is a guy who who missed several weeks of the most important time in the calendar uh, for a team to gel. And, and it certainly helps that he's been in Clawson's system for forever. Uh, he's If anybody could kind of snap back after missing as much time in camp as he did, you know, uh, Sam Hartman could do it. But uh, I, I just think you go and look at last year's spread of 21. I don't think this game being at Winston-Salem makes enough of a difference uh, for, for that to really change things. So I, I'm going Clemson minus seven and a half. And you're going to have 10,000 screaming fans there in Winston-Salem. <laughs> uh, I'm also going Clemson here for a lot of the same reasons. I'll go other other side of the ball. So Clemson's defense is ridiculous. That defense is good enough to go win them 10 games this year, even if the offense is terrible. And Wake Forest, even beyond Sam Hartman coming back and being like slow to get back up to, to being himself, their rush offense has been terrible. Success rate ranks 128th in the country out of 131 teams. That's about as bad as it gets as far as your rush offense goes. That's not helping a quarterback who needs to get back up to speed is having a terrible running attack. And having a terrible running attack against this defensive line, good luck. <laughs> good luck, Wake Forest. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope this game is exciting. But I think Clemson wins this game by north of two touchdowns. I think the offense is good enough to just go out there. And uh, you mentioned that Wake, Wake's defense has not much improved over last year. And last year it was one of the worst in the country. So uh, I like Clemson by north of two touchdowns in this game. But, hey, who knows? Maybe Wake Forest and McFools out of both of us on Saturday, but I don't think so. I'm glad we agree on a pick. That puts me at ease. Like, I was going to get real nervous if we were just <laughs> odds about every single one of these. No, no. I, I I like Clemson by a lot in this one. Uh, let's go to the game, the game that game day is going to. Knoxville, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, Tennessee, Florida where you were a former beat writer, David. So I know you know a lot about this program, graduate of Tennessee as well. Uh, so Tennessee, I can't believe this. It's the Florida game, and they're 11-point favorites, double-digit favorites. Uh, as someone who was on that beat, 
how's the Tennessee fan base feeling about being 11 point favorites against Florida? And most of my friends who are Tennessee fans are actually betting the Florida money line <laughs> as an emotional hedge here. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> and, like Tennessee was up to like minus 465 on the money line in some places earlier on a Tuesday, which is just astronomical. Here, here's the deal. It, it's been nearly 20 years since Tennessee has covered a spread this large against Florida. In fact, you know, Florida wow. 16 of the last 17 games in the series straight up. So there's just a lot of psychological trauma here for for the Tennessee fans. Uh, but I, I mean, I get it. Like if you take the the logos off the helmets and you know put them in neutral colored jerseys, you can see why at home Tennessee has a, a fairly you know sizable spread here. It's just I come back to this. We're assuming that the Anthony Richardson of the past two weeks is really who Anthony Richardson is and not the version that we saw uh, against Utah. It's just, what have you done for me lately in college football? And with Anthony Richardson, it's, it's you've done nothing for me lately. You've looked really bad lately. But are we forgetting that just three weeks ago against a top 10 opponent that, that was coming off of a Rose Bowl appearance that Anthony Richardson looked like the second coming of Dak Prescott or, or Cam Newton? Like, I just don't believe that he's going to stay down uh, the rest of the season. I think that he will deliver some big plays in this game against a Tennessee defense, Jacob, that is getting a lot of praise. But keep in mind, that praise is solely because of the way it played against Pittsburgh. And this Pittsburgh team doesn't have Kenny Pickett. It doesn't have Jordan Addison. And in that game that Tennessee won up there, uh, they knocked out Keaton Slovis in the second quarter. And then they they uh, banged up the backup, Nick Patty, who was playing on a bum leg for the entire second half. So if that's our rationale for thinking Tennessee's defense is a whole lot better, I think it's pretty shaky. So I hesitantly say I think Tennessee will win, but I, but I would take Florida to cover plus eleven. Plus, it's a lot of points for the. So was the only win, was it the Hail Mary at at Florida? Uh, so no, it was oh three. I I think no no no. Excuse me. I think it was twenty sixteen twenty seventeen. It was during the Butch Jones era. Tennessee finally okay. has that demon and beat Florida. Um, uh, in the Butch Jones era, but that's the only victory in the last 17 years. So you have to go back to the early 2000s and find when Casey Clawson was the quarterback, you know, the last time that Tennessee beat Florida, you know, twice in a relatively short time frame, And that uh, two, 2003 game came to mind, but I think that's the one, the last time Tennessee might've covered uh, a 10, 10 or more point spread, you know, in this series. So you, you mentioned Anthony Richardson, which version of him are we going to get? Here's the thing. Even in the Utah game, statistically, he did a little deep dive. He was not great. So on the season so far, Anthony Richardson ranks 130th in FBS, EPA per pass. 130. He's not been great passing the ball. He's a phenomenal runner. He's a phenomenal athlete. I think he's going to have to score 40. This offense got to score 40 to stay with Tennessee, and I don't think they can. Even with Tennessee's defense, maybe not being a finished product yet. Uh, Florida's defensive line, the starting four are great. They are so thin after that starting four. And with as fast as Tennessee is going to play on Saturday, they have not seen this pace of play yet this season. I think you're going to see how thin they are on defense. When Tennessee goes and drops 45 and you're crossing the 20-point mark going, looking up and looking at a 20-point loss. So, I like Tennessee to win. I think they shatter this demon. I think they win going away. I think they win by three touchdowns. I don't think it's close on Saturday. I think Tennessee can 
go into this game confident. They are the better team. They, they and not just like they're the better team on paper. They're the better team with the eye test. There's more talent on the roster right now at Tennessee. Be, tell your friends to be confident, man. They're winning this game by three touchdowns. It's too much trauma. There are too many, too many scars there. It's 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 going to be an uh, an electric atmosphere. It's going to be lit with game day, and then you, you checkered nailing. Yeah, and so Napier threw a little fire on uh, on the Tennessee fan base this week. You know, he said something about Anthony Richardson playing his first road game of the season. You know, in this system, and uh, somebody asked him about that, and he was like, "Well, we're not going to Canada. The rules are still going to be the same. It might be a little bit louder." And the Tennessee fans pounced on the. It might be a, a little bit louder, you know, and they're they're using that as a slight to uh, sort of hype themselves up for that game. It, it's going to be wild. I mean, they were throwing golf balls at Lane Kiffin last year. I'm, I can't imagine what they're going <laughs> to. Man, Neil and security just turns an eye. They're just like, yeah, whatever. You go in. We, we got to pack 110,000 people in here. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Big 12, big game in the Big 12. Texas Tech, Texas, only a five and a half point line. Texas favored in Lubbock. Uh, Texas Tech has looked much improved this season. Texas, hey, they, they got down to UTSA last week. They come back and win that game going away. I was curious how they responded after the Alabama loss, considering how they responded after the Oklahoma loss last season. But very short favorites on the road in Lubbock. Where are you going with you? this one, David? Yeah, I'm going Texas minus five and a half. They've scored 133 points against Texas Tech the last two times they've played. I think it's 70 and 63, uh, the, the points total for them. And I understand, look, uh, they're not going to have Quinn Ewers out there. You're banking on Hudson Card to get it done. But I think the hype train around Joey McGuire has gotten a little uh, ahead of schedule here. And it's something we tend to do often with first-year coaches who are recruiting well, who who win the press conferences, who are you know off-season gurus, right? We saw it with Marcus Freeman. Uh, Notre Dame ends up, what, number five in the preseason? Yeah. Because their 2022 recruiting class is, is – or 23 recruiting class is shaping up, and it's like – well, hold on now. Like he he's still got to actually coach games this year and never been a head coach before. Similar situation with Joey, Joey McGuire. I think NC State was be- basically begging Texas Tech to win that game on the road uh last week. Uh Texas Tech's offense, you know, really just couldn't get it done and so I think this I I buy the fact that this Texas defense is legit. Like we saw against Alabama. Um and then, you know, they sealed the game with a pick six uh in in the second half against UTSA. So yeah, I, I think Texas covers this spread. I'm with you. And, and for the same reason you just mentioned, this defense is legit. That I, Like, Texas has actually improved on defense in year two uh, of the Sark era. And that was the question I had going in was, if Texas can, can marginally improve on defense, can they go in the Big 12? And I absolutely still think they can. I stand by that. I, I stuck my neck out in the preseason, even through the injuries of Isaiah Nair and, you know, the starting offensive linemen. I'm like, no, 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 they they can still go do this thing. They can finish it off. Oklahoma looks good so far, but yeah, th- th- this defense is improved and the scheme is working, especially with the kind of offense they're going to face in Texas Tech. I think they can smother this offense. I don't think Texas Tech is going to eclipse the 30-point the margin, and I think Texas can. If he can score 31, I don't think Texas Tech scoring 24. So uh, I like this to be a lower-scoring game. What's the total on this? 60? That's a pretty good total. That's, that's a pretty good number. Yeah, but, but Texas has surpassed that on its own the last two times they played. I understand like things change, and there's a new coach at Texas Tech who maybe is more defensive minded. But 
Yeah, I, I just think Texas is going to put up numbers. I think they could. I, I wonder if – so my, my hesitancy with them just putting up numbers is Card's health. And if they can just run the ball and win this game by 10, I think they might just ice it away and just, like, sit on the lead and not worry about it. Because Card was questionable up and up through Thursday of last week if he was even going to play against UTSA. So if he's still dealing with injury, knowing that behind him they got – some serious trouble. Uh, I think they could sit on running the ball here because Texas Tech's rush defense is not great. Uh, just give Bijan a lot of carries this game, but I still like, I mean, it's less than a touchdown. That's an easy take for me. I think there's a little too much love going Texas Tech's way uh, right now. Hey, so we got, we're, we're two of four agreeing so far. Uh, let's go to the Pac-12. Your Pac-12. You're, you're the, you're the Pac-12 guy for CBS, man. The Cal Bears still, still waving that flag. Uh, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> uh, man, I, I thought you were on something that year. Uh, no, Washington State and by, Oregon. Yeah, okay. I stand by that if Cal hadn't been decimated by all the COVID restrictions out there, that they had the roster to do something. And now I've just totally given up. But yes. So 2020, David picked uh, Cal to win the Pac 12 North. So, and, um, brave, brave. Uh, but Washington State and Oregon formerly of the division known as the Pac-12 North. Uh, Washington State at home for Oregon. Oregon coming in as a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Both programs have big wins in the last two weeks. Washington State over Wisconsin. Oregon beats BYU going away last Saturday. They come in just under a touchdown favorite. Where are you going at Washington State? Yeah, this is a tough one, man, because Washington State's win at Wisconsin really surprised me. I love the the system that they're running at Washington State with Jake Dickert bringing in Eric Morris from Incarnate Word with Cam Ward at quarterback. I think it has a lot of potential. Uh, but when I look through the Washington State roster in the preseason, I couldn't help but power rank them uh, second to last in the Pac-12 just based on the experience, based on the talent. So they have blown me away so far this season by starting 3-0, and winning that game at Wisconsin. Did not see that coming. And so maybe I get burned again here, uh, but I just think that the offense for Washington State is not clicking at the level it needs to for them to win another game against a team that I think has more physicality and more talent. They're putting more and more on tape now. Oregon showed us their true colors finally against BYU. And say what you will about Bo Nix, but I think he's a better quarterback than Graham Mertz at Wisconsin. And so I think that improvisational bend to Bo Nix's game presents Washington State's defense with an element that it probably hasn't seen so far this season. So I'm going Oregon six and a half. I don't love this one. When we were texting earlier, I was torn on it. Uh, I'm going Oregon here. I love where the direction Washington State is headed. I just can't quite get over the talent hump here yet when, when Washington State already pulled one stunner this season. I went into – when I glanced at this, the, the line the first time, I was like, you know what? I'm going, like, I'm going Washington State. You know, this, the pendulum, everyone's going to be in Oregon after their performance against BYU. And I was, I was looking, the public, the public money is on Oregon, but I do think that's the right side. It, it is under a touchdown. So I like Oregon to win by at least a touchdown. I know early in the season it's tough because you don't have that many data points yet. And, it is hard to get that week one image of Oregon out of your head. Like they looked terrible, but I think as we've seen the last couple of weeks, 
maybe Georgia's just really good. They are. And and maybe especially early when like that that was a blitzkrieg. That was you were down three scores quick in that game. Maybe they pack it in in that game uh, against Georgia, knowing that you you weren't going to do anything to stop Georgia in that game. They wouldn't beat a really good BYU team. Now I know BYU had a couple of injuries, a couple of key injuries, but that's a really good BYU team that are just beating Baylor, who I also think is a very good team. So I just think Oregon's good. I think you have a big grouping of good teams from like seven to forty. That <laughs> you've got some really good teams. I think Washington State is one of those. I just think Oregon's at least a touchdown better. Like you mentioned, the physicality, this roster, especially on both lines of scrimmage, I don't think Washington State can match up with that. Yeah, and Cam Ward is is all the way down at 59 right now nationally in passing efficiency, and this this Oregon defense is no no joke. They're not, and they showed that last week against BYU. These inside linebackers finally started playing like their star rating the last couple of weeks. So Justin Flo and Noah Sewell playing really good inside, calling that defense. The defensive line looks really good. Bo Nix, which version of Bo Nix are we going to get? That's the thing. He has had weeks like this before. Or is he going to finally get some development and just stay as a pretty good college quarterback? Can he just do that for a season? Because he'll have his, yeah, he scored in the last seven dr- touchdown drives that he led as the, you know, as the first string offense. Or is he going to have that Georgia game in him? Uh, is he going to have the, you know, the one who beat Alabama? as a freshman or beat Oregon as a freshman, but you're, you're never, you're always due for a, a Bo Picks game. So <laughs> I hope it doesn't come in this one. Ultimate chaos player in college football. And uh, yeah, if you can just get back to 2019 freshman year with Kenny Dillingham, who was his OC. That's right. All with him again at Oregon. Like, I think they get there. Look at Pen- Michael Penix. He got there w- real quick. Uh, when he reunited with Kalen DeBoer, who had been his OC earlier in his career. I think Bo Nix is going to show some of that again, because let's be real, like the Pac-12 defenses on the whole are, are less talented than the SEC defenses. And maybe the skill talent at Oregon is, honestly, he didn't have a ton of skill talent at Auburn the last couple of years. So I don't think... Not a, yeah, not well, a receiver. Yeah, it's not significantly worse at Oregon. I think they'll get on track here. And I love Washington State. I think they're a fun team this year. I just, I just think Oregon's better. I think Oregon's receiver room is the best receiver room he's had in his career. I will very well made. There's a, they were all young and unproven, but they've got a deep skill player roster right now at Oregon that Auburn, especially this year, does not have. Uh, let's go to the SEC. So Arkansas and AM playing in Jerry World. I love this game. This game has been a one possession game, all except for one time that they've played this since Texas AM joined the SEC, but uh, Texas A&M, technically the home team, you know, it's it's in Dallas, but uh, two and a half point favorites in Jerry World. I'm scratching my head at this line, man. Where, where are you going in, in, in Arlington? Yeah, I think some people are going to get spooked out of taking Arkansas here because of the way Missouri State hung with them into the fourth quarter on Saturday. But I, I look at the bodies of work of these two teams through three games apiece, and I see a, an Arkansas team that to me appears clearly better. You take into account their wins over Cincinnati and South Carolina are far far more impressive than than anyone Texas A&M has defeated so far, even Miami, in my opinion. And it's like, you know, it just seems obvious to me when you kind of strip away the uh, the preseason rankings around Texas A&M. And, and if you kind of account for what happened against Murray State from the Arkansas side as as a trap game, as as Bobby Petrino uh, really bringing his best uh, in an in a emotional moment, you know, it's a trap game for for Arkansas, just as, as ready-made as they come. And 
the fact that they turned it on late, I, I think it showed their character. And let's be real. This is a toss up almost type of game. If you're talking about less than a field goal. And if you're going based on the intangibles, based on the culture, based on the buy-in, based on the caliber of halftime speech that a coach can deliver, I'm taking Sam Pittman over Jimbo Fisher every day in that setting. So I'm going Arkansas plus two and a half here in the neutral site. I got burned last week with my head scratching line. I'm like, man, this is obvious. Michigan state, Washington, like Michigan state is better. Made that my WTF wrong team favorite game of the week. And I got burned, but that doesn't mean we can't double down and get the WTF game to two and one or one and one right now. Yeah. Wrong team favorite here. Arkansas should be favored. If you again, if you strip away preseason expectation, Arkansas is the better team. They're the better team by at least a touchdown, in my opinion. So, a hundred percent, they have the better quarterback. They have the better skill position players. They have the better offensive line, defensive line. You can go either way. Linebackers, Arkansas is better. Secondary, Arkansas is better. Like they are the better team. They're better coached right now. They have better coordinators on both sides of the ball than Texas A&M has. I just think Arkansas is better. And I know a lot of power ratings through about the fifth week of the season, you still have a lot of heavy preseason numbers baked into those those power ratings. And I think that is baking into Texas A&M right now. And I think people watched them beat Miami and said, okay, so the App State game was, was just a slip-up. But they still only scored 17 points. Is this offense going to all of a sudden become world beaters overnight? And they're not. Now, Miami had a lot of trouble moving the ball, but that offense has been inept since week one. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke looks like a different quarterback, and people have made Justin Herbert comparisons with, with Cristobal uh, of how he looked in Cristobal's system, and that's not unfair. So uh, that offense did not look good against Texas A&M. They just got out, outskilled there, but this game is a neutral site. Arkansas is rolling. I, I love uh, – Kendall Bryles, I love Barry Odom. I love Sam Pittman. I think they have – I told Daniel this a couple weeks ago that I think their head coach and coordinator spots, you can match up with anyone else in the country. Uh, I mean, just totally can outcoach people. And this game sitting under a field goal, Arkansas is the better team. Like, don't overthink this. Yeah, this, We're going to go 2-1 and one with the WTF game of the week. Yeah, the fact that Texas A&M slowed down Miami's offense means absolutely nothing to me. Yeah, for... Southern Miss did the same thing. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm with you here. I think I think uh, Arkansas probably wins this game straight up. I mean, we're talking about a less than a field goal spread. They won this game last year too, so I, I just don't think it's that much of a reach. Yeah, and I mean, if you're actually betting this kind of stuff, just take the money line here. Like, no no reason to take the points. Just take the money. They're going to win the game. So. Uh, Public money is on Arkansas. doesn't scare me. It's the right side to be on. Wrong team favorite. WTF game of the week. All right, last game, going back to the Pac-12. My Oregon State Beavers hosting uh, my, also my USC Trojans. <laughs> we, we joked around uh, the offseason. I was very high on USC, very high on Oregon State. So going to have to take a side here. But Oregon State hosting USC. USC is kind of first real test. Both teams undefeated. USC a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Where are you going? And where in Oregon are they? Yeah, so uh, I am going Oregon State plus six and a half. Can you believe this apparently opened at USC minus 12 and a half? I- I'm going to have to go check our pick sheet, but I think I might have snuck one in there on you guys on Sunday oh. when the lines first opened. It was 12 and a half. Yeah, it opened at 12 and a half. And that, I mean, it's quickly been driven down significantly. 
this would be obvious to go on the Oregon State side with a number that large. But even at six and a half, less than a touchdown, I still like Oregon State at home against a USC team that I think is living on borrowed time. They have enjoyed the misfortune of some other teams to ride up the rankings here. Uh, Their numbers, their final scores look great. I don't think most of the nation has actually watched a full USC game. Even when they were in primetime against Stanford, there were other games on that night that were more interesting. And then you look at the Rice game, the Fresno State game, the margins of victory stand out, but the way that they're winning them is not sustainable because their turnover margin is absolutely through the roof. And then if you go and look at at Stanford shooting itself in the foot, Fresno State losing Jake Hayner, their star quarterback, uh, I, I think reality is coming for this USC defense at some point, and it might very well be, be this Saturday because uh, Oregon State has it rolling under Jonathan Smith, and I just I, I think they could potentially win this game. I'm not ready to call it outright, but uh, I'm going with the Beavs to cover the six and a half. I'm with you on Oregon State. Uh, this will be a high-scoring game. Take the over. Both offenses are rolling, but I'm with you on USC is on borrowed time. This defense has not been good. And the reason USC has practiced scoring 40, 50 a game is because they're going to have to do that if they want to continue to win games. And they're going to have to pray that defense holds up. Uh, Alex Grinch, those who have watched the program closely so far, still getting some of the criticism that was a hangover from Oklahoma his last year there, where a lot of people, including myself, thought they would take a step forward under Alex Grinch and honestly did not take that big of a step forward uh, in that last year at Oklahoma. But the SC defense has not looked great so far. And so I definitely think Oregon State can keep this within a touchdown. I would love if this was north of a touchdown. Gosh, I can't believe it opened up at 12 and a half. Uh, that's easy money. Six and a half, I'm a little more nervous. But I think USC wins a close game here. So I, I like USC straight up. I'll be rooting for Oregon State to win straight up. But I will go ahead and take those six and a half points. Uh, I like Oregon State to keep this game close. So this is one of those games I'm really excited to watch. Unfortunately, I don't have the Pac-12 network, so I won't be watching this game. Uh, thank you, Pac-12. But end up on the Pac-12 network. This would be a perfect like Pac-12 after dark uh, game. Like literally, BYU Wyoming's on ESPN two at ten fifteen. Gosh, yeah, that's USC. Or what are we doing here? That's if you want to see why the Pac-12 is struggling. Uh, there's your example because this game is is not going to be available to the majority of college football fans around the country. Utah is playing Arizona State. Who just fired their head coach? on ESPN, the main one, ESPN, and Oregon State, USC, on two undefeated teams, Pac-12 Network. Stanford, Washington, the efforts of one. I just don't. That drives me nuts. Look, I'd offer you my login for Fubo TV, but I can only have two streams going at once, and I need them. I need both of them on Sunday. You need both. <laughs> I, I hear you, man. Uh, to review, Kansas-Duke, uh, David on Kansas. I am on Duke. Wake Forest-Clemson, we're both on Clemson. Uh, Tennessee, Florida. David, you on, you're on Florida. I'm on Tennessee. We're both on Texas against Texas Tech. We're both on Oregon over Washington State. We're both on Arkansas, and then we're both on Oregon State. So, hey, let's hope for another another, another big week. We're, we're on five games together. So, that's at least five and no. I'm going to keep riding your your coattails. Uh, hopefully, you stay hot. Like, watch, just watch. This will be the week when uh, you're you, maybe you're the USC. Maybe you've been living on borrowed time. You know that's it. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm just waiting on. Uh, I've, I've been getting lucky. A point here, a point there. No, I, I like the slate this week. Uh, my my two that I questioned a lot were. I'm with you on Oregon, Washington State. I think it could go either way, uh, depending on which version of both teams we get. Which you could say for any game. I'm a lot more confident in Tennessee, Florida, 
uh, than you seem to be. But Oregon State's my other one. The two Pac-12 games are my kind of coin flips, and I was getting the least amount of eyes on on those teams. So, well, just with that Tennessee pick where we differ, man, it's it's all about that psychological trauma. I know it's a new era there, year two under Josh Heupel. I know Josh Heupel's been saying that Florida game last year is where they took a big step forward, but just the second that – you know what, Anthony Richardson could get pulled and they could put in whoever they even – I don't even know if Florida has a healthy backup quarterback at this point, but uh, Tennessee fans just – oh, man, the energy in that stadium could go sideways and, and Florida – it could kind of flip in Florida's favor. That, that one's going to be fun. I, I, know, I know it's the SEC on CBS game of the week, so I'm not trying to, you know – promoted or anything but i think that one's going to be a special type of atmosphere in knoxville it will be 3 30 on cbs uh i'll go ahead and promote it so go cbs for getting that game on the main network but uh excited for the slate of games david thanks so much for being on you can follow him on twitter at david a Cobb. you can follow me on twitter at jake Carnes with a k you can follow us on twitter or excuse me you can follow us on instagram and facebook at the extra point pod but that will do it for this edition of the extra point he is david i'm david